Hi friend, let's be honest. If you're anything like me, your life probably feels busy, crazy, and full. But even in the midst of the day-to-day, and no matter what life stage you're currently in, maybe you find yourself constantly longing for something deeper, something real. Maybe like me, you wonder about things like restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. In truth, I am on an imperfect journey of pursuing Jesus Christ and what it looks like to find those things in a relationship with Him. It's a journey I committed to years ago when I dedicated my life to following Christ, and it's a journey I invite friends to explore with me, even if, and honestly, especially if, you're not sure what path you're on. So for those who are skeptical, curious, or just need some encouragement, well, this podcast is for you. Come along with me as we journey together towards finding something real. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. This is your host, Janelle Wood, and I'm excited you're listening in. We are in the middle of a series talking about ish, identity, and impetus, and how those concepts relate to finding something real. If you want to find out more about the series, you can check out our earlier episodes, or you can visit my website at www.janellewood.com and sign up to receive the free study guide that goes along with this series. Friend, I am also excited today to announce something special. Last year, I started a joyful giving project during the month of December. I shared a printable with a calendar and ideas to spread joy during the holiday season. It was just a simple way to be intentional, and I enjoyed it so much, I decided to do it again. So if you'd like to access that printable and do the challenge with me, you can access that freebie and the details by signing up for it on my website. But today, this is a special episode, and I am... (laughs) appropriately so thankful to be welcoming a guest who is warm, kind, and honestly such a gift to everyone who knows him. This friend has dedicated his life to loving God and loving others. He has that rare skill, generosity, and gentle focus to make you feel like you're the only one in the room when he's talking with you. And everyone I've ever met who's talked about him speaks with respect and awe at his dedication to his family to God and his calling. And I'm so excited to welcome Pastor Bob Loon. Well, thank you, Janelle. That was a, um, a very amazing introduction. Pastor Bob, would you mind telling people, uh, someone who's listening, a little bit about who you are and your ministry? Yes. I have been a Nazarene pastor for 46 years, and um, 34 of those were spent in one rural community. And I felt so blessed to be able to just invest myself in the life of not just a congregation, but of a whole community. So that has been one of the absolute joys of my life. And you're still a part of that community, is that right? I still live here and uh, uh, going through kind of a hard time, a transition. Um, Last January, my wife, because of her Parkinson's disease, advancing to a point where she did not feel comfortable at home anymore asked if she could go into an assisted living facility. So that's where she lives now, right in our community. And I'm grateful for it because the staff is wonderful and the building is beautiful and the food is good. And so I know that she's very well taken care of. And you also still are in ministry, is that right? Yes, I actually serve as a interim pastor right now 
in a community that's only about 25 miles away. So I can go over there a couple of times a week. I can help them while they are searching for a new pastor. They have been in process for quite a while. So I have enjoyed being here. It's It's been a good thing for me to help this church. Um, How long have you been doing that interim pastor gig at different uh, churches? Yes, it's five years now. Wow. Yeah. So you reached... You retired, but you didn't really retire. Is that it? No, no. My retirement <laughs> lasted two weeks. <laughs> and are you also no. preaching uh, over the internet? Is that something else you do? Oh, yes, I do that once a month. Um, I work with a pastor in Pakistan. Munawar Feroz is his name. <laughs> and uh, he lines up these places and... Uh, we get on Skype, and once a month I preach, and he translates for me. We've had, we've met on rooftops, we've met in alleys, we have met under trees, <laughs> we've met in buildings. So, wow. wherever he can set up his laptop, that's where we meet. That's the gift of technology, isn't it? It is. <laughs> so, Pastor Bob, I've been spending the past few weeks talking with guests about identity. And I'd really like to use this particular episode with you to segue from identity to impetus, impetus meaning the force that moves a body. So to do that, I'm wondering what choices you made as a young person that has positively impacted who you are today. Well, I grew up in a wonderful Christian family for which I'm incredibly thankful. We were at church every time the doors were opened. But I didn't make a personal commitment to Christ until I'd, after I'd gone away to college. And I was dating a girl who asked me the question one day, Bob, are you a Christian? I never hear you talk about God. And I had to admit, no, I'm not a Christian. I've always wanted to be one. I just could never figure out how to do that. Hmm. And the upshot was I ended up over at my college basketball coach's house and he shared some scripture with me. And for the first time, it just seemed to all make sense. And I knelt in his living room and I just poured out my heart to God. I asked him to forgive me, come into my life. Within a couple of days, I was overwhelmed with the love that God has for me as a person. And I really did see myself as a child of God. And that was a life transforming transaction. So you made that choice to follow him, and then, and then what? I mean, you were in ministry for a very long time. I was, and uh, you know, and there, there, there was, there was so much I had to learn, so much areas I had to grow. Um, I was eighteen when I committed my life to Christ. I was a chemistry major in college, actually, and. And uh, after I committed my life to Christ, uh, my interest in chemistry evaporated. And eventually, I really felt like he was calling me to be a pastor, which frankly scared the snot out of me because <laughs> I, I, I stuttered when I was in high school. And the thought of having to stand up and speak in front of people was terrifying. Hmm. And yet, I knew that's what God wanted me to do. So I prepared, went to college, went to seminary, and moved to South Dakota to pastor my first church. <laughs> when I got there, I found out they had sold their church building. We had 10 days to get out, and, then we, and they had no place to go. I discovered very quickly that 
preaching and leading a congregation and being responsible for all this stuff was overwhelming to me. I remember toward the end of my first month there, I came home from the church and I grabbed my wife, Kathy, and we drove north out of town and we found a wide spot in the road. I pulled off and I just wept like a baby in her arms because I felt so overwhelmed, so ill-prepared, so inadequate to be a pastor. And I really did, Janelle. I went into a three-year depression. It was, um, it was pretty dark. It was pretty bleak. And I honestly felt like I was a total failure. And I would say to your listeners, you know, if you're struggling with depression, please go talk to somebody. There's no, there's no stigma in admitting that you're going through a hard time. I should have talked to somebody, and I never did. Mm-hmm. And I think that made it much more difficult for me. But eventually, miraculously, God came to me one evening and brought deep healing to my soul, taking me literally back into childhood events, helping me to forgive people that had wounded me. And I was so reaffirmed as his child. And I'm very grateful for that. Hmm. Did you know that you were healed at the time? Oh, yes. It was very dramatic, very dramatic for me. And, um, you know, experiences like that don't happen very often in our life, I believe. But that Mm -hmm. was one of those powerful encounters with God that I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be where I am today had the Lord not touched me with his healing grace and released me from my feelings of repressed anger and of hurt and of some bitterness. Uh, I remember at one mm-hmm. point crying out to God saying, God, I went to seminary, I studied, I worked hard, I followed you here to South Dakota, and I feel like I'm a total failure and that you haven't helped at all. He let me just pour it all out. And at the end of that time, I was free. Hmm. I was free. Wow. That's amazing. Had you ever had an experience like that before where you felt like God healed you and where you knew that you'd been touched by his spirit? My conversion was very special, but this was different because this was, I was in such pain, such emotional, mental, and spiritual pain. I mean, he, he would literally bring people's faces, you know, on the screen of my mind, and I would remember painful events mm-hmm. of my childhood, teen years, early adulthood. And one by one, he helped me to forgive everybody. Wow. Honestly, the last person to forgive was him because I was so mad at him. (laughs) That's so powerful, though, Pastor Bob, because, I mean, I have friends who either struggle with mental illness or who also um, are in the mental health field. And I know that one of the therapies that helps people get over um, or work through childhood trauma is often that working through each individual memory, each individual uh, thing. And so how awesome that God, you know, miraculously was your healer, was your therapist, taking you through this amazing uh, therapeutic experience. Yeah, that's awesome. What a great thing to share. So you've been serving God for a long time. And I was reading a recent study of young people 
I think it was a Barna research study conducted in late 2017. And the study was looking at young people and barriers to faith. And the largest barrier for faith for most young people, and honestly, I would guess most people in general, is believing that if there's a God, why would he allow evil to exist? And I know you're not necessarily a theologian or Bible scholar uh, (laughs) in the academic sense, (laughs) but I'm wondering as a pastor, as someone who has served God for decades and yet uh, have gone through your own times of suffering and trial um, and pain, how do you hold on to your faith when life doesn't make sense? And have you ever struggled with faith when life was especially hard? That's a big question, Janelle, and <laughs> I'm not sure we have enough time for me to share all that I I do feel there, but um, I, I do know this. Um, our starting point for dealing with the problem of pain and disappointment in our walk with God, <clears throat> we can either start with God is sovereign and therefore he is he is determining everything that happens, or we can start with the, the starting point that God is love. First John 4, 8 says God is love. The very essence of God is love. Well, one of the things that's true about love is love does not control or manipulate or lord it over people or dominate people. Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, you know, uh, the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over people and exercise authority over people. Not so with you. For whoever would be great among you must be the servant of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. There's something about the very essence of God that he is self-giving, others empowering. Um, he doesn't, when we, when we say that, that God is sovereign and he's in control and he's king of kings and all that, he doesn't rule like human rulers who exercise heavy-handed authority. He's a servant and he comes to woo and to um, invite and to invite us into a cooperative relationship with himself. So I have the freedom of will to make a fist and pop you in the nose and break your nose. I have that freedom, and God's not going to stop me. On the other hand, that's not God's will that I hurt you. He doesn't doesn't approve of that. He doesn't think I did right, and he didn't cause that to happen to you on purpose. But because God is love, and he's not controlling, and he's not manipulating, and he's not dominating, but rather giving us all freedom of will, that means really, really bad things can happen in this world. Horrible things happening. So I would say to young people, think about who God is, essentially. What is he really like? Is God a dictator? And he's the one who's making all these horrible things happening. Or is he a loving heavenly father who cares deeply for every one of us and whose ultimate expression of power was getting nailed to a cross and accepting all of the sins of the whole world on himself? That is a God we're serving. 
knowing that he has suffered and knowing that he serves and knowing that he doesn't dominate, when I'm going through a hard time, I feel like he knows what I'm going through. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every way like we are, yet without sin. So I know that he knows what it's like to be me, and I feel like I have somebody on my side, and I am so grateful for that. So uh, I always try to play devil's advocate, and there's a difference between knowing and feeling. And sometimes, even though we know (laughs) that God is good and he's love, um, when it's your spouse that you can't live with because of medical issues, or it's uh, your baby, or it's, uh, you know, your relative or whatever it is that comes into the world that doesn't make sense, that's pain and suffering, um, it's really easy to get caught up in the emotions and the hurt and the pain. And like you were sharing earlier, when you were going through that time of depression, to, to be angry with God. And um, so I'm just wondering what pulls you back in time after time, because the longer you live, the more those events happen, right? I mean, we live in a, yeah. a world <laughs> where it's going to happen. Um what what pulls you back in, Pastor Bob, and what encouragement could you give to somebody who is in a place right now where they may know they may know what they should right. feel, but right. it doesn't uh, feel that way right now? I just I share my own life, I share my own struggles with them, and I try to remind myself that anything that I am suffering pales in comparison to the sufferings of Jesus on the cross. And when I think that he was willing to endure all that he endured for me, here, I mean, here's the sinless one. Here's the only innocent person who's ever lived, the only person who never deserved to die for sin. And yet there he is nailed to a cross. So unfair. I mean, so unfair. My God, has experienced unfairness and injustice and suffering and undeserved uh, slander and rejection and disappointment, betrayal. He suffered it all. When I whine to him (laughs) when I'm going through a hard time or when I'm really agonizing with my wife's condition, for instance, when I agonize about that, I know that I am pouring out my heart to someone who understands. And even if he doesn't fix it, I know that he understands and I know that he cares and he has a grace to take me through this time. And so I remind myself that frequently. People will ask me, how's your wife doing? I'll say, well, not very good today, but God's grace is enough for today. So you mentioned how important it is to share personal struggles and adding to that, you know, part of the reason why I love doing this podcast is getting to hear people's stories. I feel like we're encouraged by other people's journeys. Mm -hmm. Would you mind sharing about some people you admire who have lived their faith out loud and what about them inspires you or has inspired you? Yeah. Well, since we've been talking about disappointment with God, um, Mother Teresa in India is a person who has always inspired me. You know, and of course, she's just so famous for loving the unlovable and caring for the sick. And as she would say, 
uh, caring for for Christ in his um, distressing disguises, she used to say, hmm. distressing disguises. And so she would lovingly care for the sick and the dying. But then I had the opportunity to read the letters that she wrote to her priest confessor. Frankly, those were very private and they should have been destroyed, but they weren't. They actually ended up getting published. And in that, she reveals how distant she often felt from God. In fact, one of her favorite words for Jesus was the absent one. And I thought, here's this amazing woman, what the most saintly woman I'd ever heard of, had this huge worldwide impact, spoke at the United Nations, spoke to the U.S. Congress. Uh, people would travel to India just to be near her. And yet she herself struggled with a feeling of distance from God. And yet, by sheer faith, she continued to do what she felt like God had originally called her to. Now, how that worked out in my life was I went through a seven-year period in the 1990s in which I felt very distant from God. I called it my wilderness experience because uh, worship just didn't mean anything to me. I would read the Bible and it just tasted like straw. I would try to pray and it felt like the words would dribble off my chin. Everything I tried to do spiritually just had no life and vitality to it at all. And it went on for seven years. And I remember going out west of the town where I live and kneeling in an alfalfa field and saying, Jesus, if I never sense your presence again, if worship never means anything to me, if your Bible remains dry as dust to me, if I never get to lead anybody into faith in you, I want you to know that you, all by yourself, are enough for me. And that became the bedrock in my life. Jesus is enough. And so Mother Teresa had a huge impact on helping me to say, Jesus is enough. Whether I feel him, sense him, that doesn't matter. Jesus is enough for me. So Mother Teresa had a powerful impact. Another person was Billy Graham. I mean, not that I got to talk to him personally, but in the early 70s, I went to a church in Kansas City where he was uh, the main speaker. And so I, I, I went to that church. I sat way in the back because the place was packed. Everybody's excited that Billy Graham is there. And, you know, we had this wonderful time of worship. And then the head pastor gets up, he announces Dr. Graham and invites him to come to the platform. Well, Billy Graham had been sitting right behind me in the back row. Nobody knew he was even, even there. He'd actually been downstairs in the church kitchen, hanging out with the ladies who were making the food for the fellowship time after the service, because he wanted them to get some of the blessing that they would miss out because they would be in the kitchen while he was preaching. When he got up to walk toward the platform, I was sitting on the aisle. He walked right past me. He was about, I don't know, two feet away from me. And Janelle, it was like a wave, the wake of a boat, you know, creates waves. It was like this wave of holiness mm -hmm. followed him all the way down the aisle. 
That's the only way I can describe it. It was, I could feel this wave of holiness. And I realized in this moment, it wasn't because he's a powerful preacher. It wasn't because he was this influential Christian leader. It was because he was filled with the spirit of Jesus to an amazing degree. And that's when I realized that if I was going to have any impact as a pastor, it was going to be my secret life with God, my interior life that I hoped would leave some kind of a wake in other people's lives. I was really, really impacted when Billy Graham simply walked past me mm. and I felt the Spirit of God. Another man was John Wimber, who was the head of the Association of Vineyard Churches for a number of years. I went to hear him speak over in Seattle, and it was uh, the conference was entitled Signs, Wonders, and Church Growth. Well, I was really wanting to help my church grow, so I went to that thinking, maybe I'll find the key to church growth. <laughs> well, he began to talk about life in the kingdom of God, and he talked about praying for people's healing and casting out evil spirits and, and just being open to God speaking and moving in the midst. And he was very low key, a very ordinary person. Um, and then he gave opportunity for, for God to just come and do stuff in the service. And, you know, my goodness, God showed up. <laughs> you know, you invite him to come and, and he showed up. <laughs> and I started weeping because I thought, oh, this is what I've always thought Christianity was supposed to be like. I always thought that God ought to be in the midst. And I experienced that in that conference. And so from that point until this very day, every time I'm with Christian brothers and sisters, I expect Jesus to show up to encourage us, to bless us, to challenge us, to correct us, to heal us, to save us, whatever. And I, I owe that to John Wimber. And I, I actually wrote him a letter thanking him for all that he had done and, and uh, asking if I could go with him on one of his mission trips sometime. And he said, oh, yeah, you'd be as welcome as the flowers in spring. <laughs> and, and I just thought that was uh, such a whimsical way of inviting me to join in with him. And that was pretty special. Did you ever go with him? I never did. I kick myself now because I think now I should have mortgaged my house to go with him because it would have been <laughs> a, just a great time to be with a man that I thought was doing his dead level best just to be open to the working of God. Hmm. But there's a fourth person, and and that's Mr. Rogers. <laughs> and I almost can't talk about him without tearing up. When, I, when my kids were little, I timed coming home from work so I'd get there in time to watch Mr. Rogers with them, you know, and it was unlike any other children's programming on TV. It was calm. It was quiet. It had this routine that was the same every day. And my two girls would sit there mesmerized by this quiet man. And I'd sit there with him. And we'd sing the songs and we'd listen to the silly little stories and we'd see as he would interview different guests. And I think he was one of the most consistently Christ-like people I have ever known in my life. 
and day after day, he just quietly was like Jesus on the TV. Never mentioned the name of Jesus or God, but the spirit of Jesus flows through that man. And he was so kind and so caring, and he listened so well, and he spoke to our hearts. I mean, he was speaking to my heart as, a, as an adult, as a young dad. He was speaking to my daughters. And I'm so grateful for a man who did love Jesus very much. And as I was driving to work today, I was listening to an uh, NPR uh, program. They were talking about the new movie on Mr. Rogers that has come out. And they, they talked about how a, a lady called into the program while it was being recorded. And she says, when my daughter was eight years old, she began to correspond with Mr. Rogers and she corresponded with him until he died. And he wrote back and forth and you know, all kinds of things. She said, when I saw the movie, there was a scene in the movie where he gets down beside his bed. He opens this journal in which he has the names of the children that he is praying, or the individuals that he's praying for. Mm. And she said that uh, <laughs> she began to weep right there in the theater because she realized that her daughter was one of the names in that mm. journal and that she was prayed for. And I thought, oh my goodness, wouldn't that awareness of somebody praying for you, wouldn't that just change your life to know somebody cared that much? And he cared. He cared that much. So those are four individuals that have shaped much of who I am. You know, Mother Teresa, Billy Graham, John Wimber, and Mr. Rogers. Hmm. And I'm so grateful for their influence. Wow. I love that. I love that you shared um, because it... It reminds us to to think of the people in our lives who have made uh, a lasting influence and a lasting impact on us. But also, Pastor Bob, I just I think of you, and um, you keep going despite having officially retired. Uh, you seem mm -hmm. driven by something. What is it that moves you to get up out of bed and help others um, to continue pastoring and speaking? What is that force that keeps moving you? I think ultimately it has to be the love of God. I, I sometimes feel that when I am with other people, that he allows me to feel his heart for that person. I'm, I'm trying to help a lady right now. Uh, she's actually an undocumented uh, immigrant to our country. She's lived here since, since she, she was 17 years old. She's been a victim of domestic violence. And as I was driving to work today, I was overwhelmed with God's heart for her. I actually called her and said, I need to let you know that God loves you unconditionally hmm. and that he's going to shine great light into your darkness right now. And I, I did. I literally felt like I felt God's heart for this lady. And when God does that, I feel like I am partnering with him in loving people and I get to be an extension of what he's doing in the world. And I can't think of any greater thing that I could possibly do than to partner with him in loving people. Uh, one thing I'd like for someone listening to know about you is your sacrificial love. 
I look at you and um, I think the force of God in your life looks like a quiet strength. Um, I've heard from many whose lives you have touched that they were so encouraged by you dropping everything and coming to them at their point of need, whether it was that phone call or it was, uh, you know, coming over uh, <laughs> with other people in the middle of the night to, to cry with them in their moments of intense grief or fear or shame. And I think you've demonstrated something that looks so simple, but actually is so hard. And it's such a sacrifice. It's so countercultural. I was actually, it's interesting you mentioned Mr. Rogers because I used to kiss the television screen. I loved him. He, he made you feel loved. And um, <laughs> I was listening to Tom Hanks recently give an interview about Fred Rogers and playing him. And he said something along the lines of um, Fred Rogers had the skill of kindness, that skill of being available, of not rushing, but sitting and being present with someone that's not just a gift. It's a honed skill. It's something yeah. that we are not naturally disposed to do. Um, and it's a skill that you have. So I would love for you to share what advice you might give to someone who desires to be more like that, who desires to be partnering with God and his love, someone who desires to be present, to be available, to be a pause of peace to their surroundings. What advice would you, Pastor Bob, give to people who look at you and say, wow, I want to be more like that when I grow up. I would think that uh, two things. Number one, um, I start my morning with time with God. I used to tell people that um, the first couple of hours of the day, I'm the most selfish person on earth <laughs> because I'm going to read scripture, I'm going to exercise, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to write in my journal. And I just absolutely will not. Uh, miss that time. So you have to find a way to build that time with the, the Lord and then take the risk of loving other people. It is a risk. And sometimes you have to say no to some really good things so that you have enough time in your life to be able to, to spend with somebody, to invest in them. Humorous little story, okay? So when my wife, you know, used to cook and everything, she would occasionally send me to the store. <laughs> but she would say things like, I need this ingredient right now. You can't talk to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> because she knows that if I go to the grocery store, I will run into somebody. It will turn into a long conversation. <laughs> and she simply knows that's how I live my life. I try to make life, I mean, I try to make time available for people. People are not interruptions in my life. People are my life. Relationships are my life. Christianity itself is a relational thing. And so making time for people is, to me, one of the most important things I can do every single day. Was that hard? Yeah. Yeah. Because you, know, you can get to thinking, oh, I've got to get this done. I've got to get this done. I got, you know, and you get to living at a fast pace. But one of the prayers I pray almost every day is, Lord, open my eyes to see what you're doing so I can join you in your work. Open my ears to hear me, hear, to let me hear what you are saying so I can speak that into other people's lives. Mm. And he answered that prayer. 
this is one additional question that I wasn't planning on asking, but um, I know that there's some people who listen to this who don't have faith, but then there's also people who do. And some mm-hmm. of my very good friends are in ministry. And it is a struggle sometimes when you are in ministry with somebody who their whole life is, uh, like you were saying, relationships, and it's God and it's people. How how do you balance that loving others and loving your family? Is that Was that hard for you? Or did you find uh, a magic elixir that you could share with people who are listening right now? <laughs> well, number one, um, you know, when my girls had school activities or sports or band or whatever, uh, I tried to make sure I could rearrange my schedule so that I could be a part of the events that was important to them. And I don't think my daughters ever felt like they came in second time after time after time. So because they knew I did my dead level best to invest time in them and then to always have bedtime prayers together, they felt like they had some quality time with me every single day. So when emergencies came up and I was taken away from the dinner table or taken away in the evening or something like that, they were gracious to me because they knew I had tried very hard to give them quality time. And so they, in turn, could give me time when uh, other people needed it and didn't feel resentful. That's good. (laughs) Um. The Finding Something Real podcast is about a journey towards redemption, eternity, authenticity, and love. Of those four gifts that we can find in Jesus Christ, which of those stand out to you the most in your life right now and why? Mm, That is good. Give me the four again. (laughs) (laughs) Redemption, eternity, authenticity, and love. Um, I'm very much aware that I am a flawed human being that God loves unconditionally and who is continuing to redeem me right now. Um, Pastor Bob, how are you flawed? You, I was just thinking as you're talking, I'm thinking, man, this guy does, he, (laughs) the way that you, that your answers are so great, but (laughs) like, how are you really flawed? Uh, What do you struggle with? Because I, I listen to you and I think, man, this guy, He's sanctified. There is a lot going on here. That's uh, <laughs> man, Jesus, help me to be more like this. So, what are if you don't yeah. mind sharing? <laughs> so people yeah, know you well, don't for, walk yeah, on water. <laughs> yeah, no. Here, here's a classic case. Okay, so um, my wife's had Parkinson's for 22 years. There have been some hard days. The hardest have been the last year mm-hmm. when. Her Parkinson's moved into the phase of hallucinations and paranoia. The day came when she called 911 because there was a strange man in the house. Well, that was me. Hmm. And, um, you know, we had two police cars and an ambulance there within moments. And uh, I get interrogated and she gets taken to the hospital for evaluation. And there are days that um, her hallucinations are so difficult to deal with. And I, I know enough about hallucinations. No, you can't just say, oh, no, that's not true, blah, blah, blah. 
you have to work with the person. And some days are really hard for me, Janelle, because mm -hmm. Kathy is living in an alternative universe that for her right now is very frightening and very fearful. And I sometimes feel helpless in the face of her paranoia and hallucinations. And it's really hard. Yeah. And so I know I am flawed and and I need God's grace. I need God's help to love her appropriately for this season of our life. Hmm. I had a friend who um I loved this uh visual. She was saying that our faith journey is kind of like going around a mountain and her name's Marcia Mullet. Uh, so shout out to Marcia for <laughs> this visual. <laughs> but she said um it's kind of like going around a mountain and we keep coming around the same things. We're each like dealt with certain things that we struggle with, but mm -hmm. we keep coming right. up a little bit higher each time. And we see it from a different perspective each time. Um, I'm just wondering because uh, you have lived longer than um, a lot of people <laughs> who may have been on this podcast before. Do you feel mm -hmm. that's true? Do you feel like, yeah, you still struggle with some of the same things that you did when you were a younger man, but that um, it, it gets, I don't know, a different perspective each time? Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, it is different. You know, I have, I have new struggles that are probably common to people in their 70s. So um, didn't have to worry about that when I was 25. Mm -hmm. But um, now I have some things I have to worry about in my 70s. You know, health issues. Uh, sometimes loneliness can even creep in. Um, yeah. You know, my kids are busy, my grandkids are busy. Maybe I'm sitting in the assisted living place with Kathy, and she is for a while unable to talk or carry on a rational conversation. And, and there could be loneliness, which is not something I've struggled with much in my life. Hmm. So that's a, that's a new struggle. Great. So you're saying it's not the same mountain. <laughs> There's going to be new things on it. <laughs> I see. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, uh, or I ran into something new on this journey up the mountain. Cause, yeah. uh, but I do agree with, with your friend that we do, we do circle around a mountain and mm -hmm. oftentimes we relearn our lessons, you know, and I'm, I'm relearning God's incredible grace. He is so gracious to us. And I get mm -hmm. to relearn that time after time after time. In fact, I think I am aware more than ever before that we are saved by grace alone, through faith in Jesus Christ alone. That is more real to me than maybe ever before. So getting back to that last question, which one of those things stands out to you the most right now? God's undeserved love for me and his incredible love for other people. Again, I, I often find myself experiencing his love for people, and I get overwhelmed with it, and it moves me to tears to think that he loves somebody that much. I'm thankful for God's love. I'm thankful for the, the love and friendship of other people over the years. Um, people have enriched my life in, in more ways than I could ever count. 
people have been so kind to me and so supportive. And I don't know how many times a week somebody will text me or call me or run into me in the grocery store and just say, man, I've just been praying for you. How are things going? You know, that, that means a lot. Wasn't it you who um, had that saying, or it might have been the church, uh, we are blessed to be a blessing? Yeah, yeah, which I think comes from uh, Genesis chapter 12, where God said he would bless Abraham, that he might be a blessing, and that all nations on earth would be blessed through him. So I do think we are blessed in order to be a blessing to others. That's awesome. Pastor Bob, you are loved. Thank you so much for coming on here and encouraging me and um, encouraging those people listening. Um, I could listen to you for a long time. I love the soothing <laughs> sound of your voice and just the wisdom that pours out of you. So thank you so much. I really appreciate you. Thank you, Janelle, for inviting me to do this. This has been fun. And of course, I've always enjoyed just sitting down and visiting with you. So <laughs> this is oh. like having you right here in the room with me. This is nice. <laughs> I will say, you know, my grandpa had your gift, um, the mm. gift of being present and loving the Lord and loving people. And he was a simple man, but he lived his life every day. Like uh, you were the, the only person that he was waiting to see and he was just available. And that is such a gift. And when I heard Tom Hanks talk the other day about Fred Rogers, and I remember uh, how much I loved Mr. Rogers as a kid. I, I thought, man, that's why I loved him. It was the same gift that my grandpa had. And yeah. Pastor Bob, that's why I love you and why I think so many people love you is you have that same gift. And it really is the gift of the Holy Spirit that to really just sit and be with people in their pain and their suffering. And, you know, I talked about other people, how you've been a blessing in their life, but um, you've come and and sat on the floor with me, you know, <laughs> when I was crying before. So I'm just incredibly thankful for you and uh, the gift of being able to share your wisdom with uh, the listeners of this program. So thank you so much. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. If you love this series, hit subscribe and come back next week when we talk with another guest about their story towards finding something real. Per usual, you can also follow along on Instagram at Janelle underscore M underscore Wood or using the hashtag Finding Something Real. Every Thursday around 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, I try to jump on there and host an Instagram Live where we recap the week's episode, talk with friends, and answer any questions that might come up. So feel free to join me on there. And of course, you can also sign up for the free study guide that goes along with this current series by heading over to my website at www.janellewood.com. Remember friends, you are loved and have a purpose. Until next time.